Laughter emerges in the realization that all along the original was derived. Judith Butler. Bending Not Breaking, Season 5, Episode 5, Peacekeepers. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine. And I'm Ben. And we've got so much to talk about today. So much to talk about. More Korra. Yeah. More Korra. Season two, uh, arguably everyone's favorite season of The Legend of Korra. Yeah. Um, And we uh, today, today we have something special. We do have something special. In fact, we have someone special. Always. A a friend of the podcast, if you will. A friend of the podcast. Ben, who do we have here with us today? This is round Three. Three. Round three. Third time's a charm. Actually, we exile you from the from the island after your third time. So <laughs> that's not true. But we will be inviting back Cameron. He's back with us. He's a super fan, Cameron. Hello, hello, super fan, friend of the pod, that's all right. of these titles. I would like a pin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little pin to wear. Yeah. Just, just a little. Just... <laughs> a I've been on Bending Up Breaking. Three time, three time guest. One of those like really tacky ones where like each of the letters is one of the element symbols or something, something like that. They're gonna. Oh. I assume these merch. go on your resume. Maybe you'll, we'll give you White Lotus. Ooh, Ooh a little White Lotus. If you, yeah, yeah. Once you master all four elements, oh, we God, should go back and check your yet. devotions to oh, see yeah. what elements what you have. Are. <laughs> you have to log one. Hmm. Nope, I can't remember. Yeah. Oops. Well. In that case, listen, call in. We're standing by. If you got the answer, call in. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Send us a little. First one to tweet with the (laughs) elements that Cameron has been a part of. I'm. I will send you a a holiday card. (laughs) Because that's that sounds fun. That's an incentive. (laughs) You'd have to make a holiday card. Sure, I'll do it. (laughs) I come home. I come home. He's just like posing and like by himself (laughs) on the couch. You pick it up. You're like Ben. You forgot to set the timer. (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing. There's no picture being taken. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, wow. uh, we can uh, we? Sorry. Can I. Uh, I would like to start by validating you on your uh, aversion to State Fair and like Rinky Dink. Uh, Hate them. Rides. Yes. That pack up and fit into a box. I also would not. I don't trust my life, my being, uh-huh. to a roller coaster that fits in a box. No. I just don't. I just don't. It needs to be drilled into the ground, <laughs> and uh, thousands of people need to have ridden it before I get on it. <laughs> then I'll go on Space Mountain. I feel like every time I go on Space Mountain, the light it gets I a little bit Space more Mountain. light in there. Wait, yeah, Space Mountain's Space Mountain's good. Super drilled. That's in. what I'm saying. It's been oh. there. People have ridden it, but every year the, I feel like the lights get a little bit lighter in that building, so people can actually see see what's going see on. what's going on around them. And be like, don't don't put don't your hands stand up. up. Don't don't do that. That's a silly thing for you to do right please, now. Please, <laughs> please don't. don't. You are going under railings regularly. Yeah, <laughs> really dangerous. Sorry for ruining the Disney magic. Let's get back to the universal side of things and go back to Nickelodeon. Yeah. And the Legend of Korra, ding, ding, season ding. two, episode five. That is Peacekeepers. Yeah. A lot happens. Yeah. I feel like I say that every episode, and it's because it's almost like 22 to 23 minutes of things 
happen in every episode. Mm-hmm. There are some episodes where it's just like, man, 20 minutes went if by. Only, I'm like, what happened? If only somebody could tell us what happened, say, in like 30 seconds. We're not there yet. Sounds like But at some point, we'll get there. That. Before we jump into that. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought I was going to be a Segway champion. <laughs> He's been on the podcast three times. Thinks he knows the format perfectly. <laughs> Uh, first off, we have a specific lens that we're watching this through. And Cameron, you picked that lens. Uh, what is it? And can you talk a little and bit about why it? why is it? Yeah. What is it? Why, why is it? Where is it? Why is Gamora? Uh, <laughs> so this lens is performativity. And honestly, it I mean, it, uh, in watching the episode, I was struck right away by this lens uh, when Cora leads the peaceful protest, and that put me in mind of uh, summer 2020 when our country had a lot going on in the way of peaceful protests, and how that particular movement has kind of lulled, and so that obviously, you know, some people were doing these things performatively and not in the true spirit of the movement, Mm. which is... So that struck me right away, and as I kept watching, I, uh, I mean, we'll talk about it, but performativity seemed like a good fit for this episode, and it really made something stick out to me uh, in a new way. Very exciting. I think that this is like something we've kind of approached from different angles, but never have discussed uh, just on this specific thing so i'm i'm kind of excited to pick it apart because it's kind of it's kind of complicated in some ways mm-hmm. um so it's it'll be interesting i'm excited to, to do that absolutely because when you look at you know anytime someone's making a performance there can be several different variations as to why that's happening and so sometimes there is the the safety aspect like i'm behaving this way because if i do not something could happen to me or i could right. be putting myself in an unsafe situation or it is the I'm behaving this way because I want people to look at me and think that I'm a good person. Mm. Um, and we see a little bit of all of those things kind of wrapped up in this episode. Well, it um, kind of everything's I, a performance. It begs the question of like, you know, obviously you have your what we tend to think of as performativity, and it's usually in a in a negative connotation. But is there? And I don't have this answer. Is there sometimes where performativity can be positive? And I was like, I really don't know the answer there. And so is there a difference between performativity and just performing? Yeah. And so, because customer service in my head is typically a a performance. True. Right? I I act differently when I get a complaint on the phone than maybe I would just like sitting in my house. And so is that a real version of me or is that um, a fake version or is like no that's how i want to engage with the world when i'm in that space and right. is that inauthentic or not and so yeah well there'll be a whole lot for us to kind of dabble into one of the things that is interesting in thinking about like is it possible and that to... it's possible for a plain yellow thank you cameron uh-huh. royalties <laughs> <laughs> hey roger and hammerstein we we accept sponsor us <laughs> Uh, I, I think one of the things to think about with performance also is what is the difference between uh, doing something that is like what what is what are the ethics in, around this as well? Because can you do something and perform something in such a way that like no, my this performance is achieving something that is good versus this performance is like or is it always viewed as like no, you're is it a form of lying to mm. perform? 
right? And so that's what's the difference between performing where it's lying and where it's not, right? right. Where it's authentic and where it's not, right? And so mm-hmm. that's I think that's authentic with a purpose. Like yeah. what what is that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When we're trying to fit in, and we're trying to perform that way, is that? ethically okay and what is that and when is it okay and when is it not there's just a lot it's pretty complicated there's a lot there yeah 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 so thank you for picking such a lens cameron <laughs> can't wait you're welcome <laughs> yeah um it'll be fun it'll be fun it'll be fun now it's already fun you know it's more fun listening to sunshine try to get everything from the 30 seconds of I've the whole show into 30 i've been seconds. schooled in segues thank you <laughs> I, it's literally my least favorite part of every episode. But you're so bad at it. I am caught up, though, and it is your turn. That is, It is absolutely my turn. See? We, this is why we need him along, because I just assume it's you every time. <laughs> absolutely isn't. It, but, I mean, it kind of is. Specifically right now, though. On your ready. Yeah, I'm on ready. On your mark. Yeah. Ready, set, go. Lynn makes a jab at Korra and informs Mako the Southern Water Tribe is having a peace march. And Varric, is, who is always performing, brings Bolinel along to, to tour the city at night. And Milo tries to train some lemurs and tends and offers to help. And, and Mako sees the Southern Water Tribe building get bombed and, and thinks it's not actually the Northern Water Tribe. And Bolin thrives in his interview during a pro-bending night. And Varric knows how to exploit it. Korra gets... Uh, upset with the president and then upset with Mako and then upset with m- more seconds. people. And then uh, she tries to get people to come join her cause and it doesn't work out. And then she gets dark spirit eaten. Ding, ding, ding. I think I did all right. Yeah. Yeah. Who are Deska and Esna anyway? Do they? <laughs> <laughs> they l- let's be real. Dark spirit still would have shown up without them. So. Yeah. Definitely Deska and, and Desna for sure. What? What? No, I'm saying like they are. They were pretty irrelevant. Like, yeah, they made her go on the run for a little bit, but the dark spirit was still. Yeah, I don't know these characters. There, it's fine. We're getting there. Uh, who wants to talk about performance first? Who wants their moment to be first? Because I don't want it to be me. Oh, I also don't want it to be me. Ooh. Cool. So let's talk about Bolin. So we're going in, straight to Bolin. In okay. The interview. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right? Because so, I think this is a good moment because I think this is an example of I don't believe that Bolin is wrong, right? Like, the way that he is performing in this moment, which anytime you get in an interview situation like that, you're on, you, and he knows how to play the fans, and he knows that if I get confused and yell bending and Republic, Republic City, City and fans, yeah. that the crowd goes wild, and um, and he does that. And I don't think that causes harm to anyone by engaging in that interview in that specific way and so i think that's the first uh, a good moment for us to say if we're trying to figure out what performativity you know is ethical or not ethical how i think it does it it doesn't cause harm to others it might be one way to look at that so i have a thought process there that's interesting so there there's a you're claiming your own thought process is interesting yeah i am can't wait I, to hear it. I think, yeah, I think we'll be the judge of that. Yeah, <laughs> Continue. yeah. Please, please move forward. So, action is, there and inaction. There, there's something to, to parse out here. I think when it comes to this performance and whether, like you, you asked whether it was good, right? Whether and and it sure. seemed like you were like this. You were okay with this as it seemed like that was your thought yeah, process, sure. right? And not doing something. 
versus doing something you were saying like this language doesn't hurt anybody no one like it's such like along those lines and so that to me feels like a um a, a, like there's a negative in the sense that there is nothing being contributed but rather i am not contributing anything other than you know maintaining homeostasis right and then there's a, like a positive action that actually puts something in right and it seems like to me bolin has an opportunity here to insert something that would help the culture grow and progress along with you know talking about things that are hard in public and doing and like it seems mm. and i wonder if there could have been more good done by not leaning into this performance like i what it's like bolin was comfort over authenticity oh i took it as validation but yeah like right it's, yeah. it's when you choose that that comfort feeling then what you're what you're doing is you're you're not adding anything substantive mm -hmm. but you're also not like what as you would say like you're not harming anybody when I, he lifted those things up right here are the tough things that i went through and then when he saw the crowd not respond in a, in a certain way then he shifts right and so how much is that similar to when we create a bid for connection with other people and don't get a response that is conducive to us to continue to share and be vulnerable. I was going to so say, we pull back and we say, okay. Uh, when, when the barista right. at the coffee shop is like, how are you? And you're like, well, I'm dealing with a lot of existential things. <laughs> you can't, it's not really the answer they're looking for. They're looking for fine. How are you? Or so you get deer in the headlights. And so right. You get deer in the headlights and you go, um, a little bit of creamer, but no worries. But things are good. Uh, yeah. Just a little cream. please. Exactly. That's how I, I really identified with Bolin when he was just answering honestly. He was like, you know, civil war is tough. <laughs> like, I participated in a civil war. And I got dumped. Everyone's and was... just crickets. And then he's like, but I love Republic City. <laughs> that is very much like when I'm like, well, you know, I'm exhausted and anxious all the time. And the barista is just staring at me. And I'm like, but it's fine. <laughs> and we laugh together. Right. <laughs> It was that knowing laughter of like, aren't we all having an existential crisis <laughs> right. right now? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think, like, I totally feel this. And I also wonder, again, w when is it for me, not for anybody else, but I'm, I, for me, where is that line between, no, I'm going to not soften this discomfort, right? And, and I don't want to perform till we can just, like, so I want this to be real right because at some point i wonder you asked me i'm gonna tell you like yeah like for because well for me it's like it feels inauthentic and i'm like i don't want to have to make you comfortable all the time anymore right mm -hmm. and i'm like i'm tired of it especially with like after this pandemic year it's just like i'm tired of pretending like i'm okay yep for you and, and no longer <laughs> am i willing not. to do it like <laughs> is anyone like, and and like again it seems like in both of these situations, I'm still convinced that performance is not helpful. Right? In, in these situations, mm. it seems unhelpful. Right. What What is the objective? Is the objective to have an honest conversation or is the objective to uh, get through the day without people looking the small at you? Talk? <laughs> like, is it the societal norm of, I am supposed to ask you how you're doing because this coffee's taking a minute and mm -hmm. I don't want to just sit and stare at don't you be rude. until this <laughs> happens. Right. Yeah, because I, I think back to customer service, right? Someone calls and has a complaint about a program or something that I help oversee. I genuinely don't want to 
my initial first response, my my first draft might be to be like, that is your problem, right? Like, <laughs> that is something that you are dealing with that I can't help you with. And we know Cora loves a first draft. Yo. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, it is the thing I most identify with her. <laughs> I, I strongly commit. And for me, my authenticity, I know, is that's really not how I want to respond. Like, if I responded with that, I would not feel good about what I am doing and putting out into the world. And so I genuinely want to defuse the situation, listen to the person, and get them to that point of resolution because I think that that's going to be a better situation for everyone involved. And so that requires me to do a little bit of a performance like in that moment. And so I don't think in that instance, I don't think that performance is taking away from my uh, authenticity. I think I'm living into the values that I want to put out into the world. And so that requires me to perform past my first draft i guess might be one way to, to yeah. kind of word that revise yeah because it you know yes it would be very easy to snap back at someone and say like well you forgot to register so i what do you want from me <laughs> what, <laughs> like, what is your desired outcome um, here but that's not helpful and that's not that's only going to you know increase tension or anything mm-hmm. else with them and, and that's not so i i think in those there are moments where performing even if it's to get if it's getting you to that aspect of the values that you want to live into. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's that's required, but maybe that's not performing. Maybe that's. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. My thoughts. No. Great. <laughs> <laughs> We're, I. I don't want to. I don't You wanna, <laughs> nailed it. I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I don't want to perform a fake answer when I when I'm like, nah, I'm good. But is it? Is there not times where, like, the way that you initially feel in that moment is that first draft? That's where your feelings are because you haven't had a chance to process them. I think that's why I struggle is that I feel that taking a minute to revise my first draft then means I'm being in the, inauthentic. And it is part of, like, I have to take stock and be like, no, it's okay to just, like, take take a moment. Yeah, and I, and I think that it sometimes taking that break revising that first draft allows us to be the authentic version of ourselves that we really do want to be. Um, I think. Fortunately, my husband now sometimes realizes that this is your first draft. Yeah. (laughs) Take a minute. That's important in relationships. Try again. (laughs) But that's that's also a real thing because I think there's some people we hear frequently in conflict with our peers and our loved ones of like, I'm just being honest or... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm snapping back because this is, you can't be mad at me because this is how I'm feeling. Which, um, and some of those things are I'm, like. I'm in this photo and I don't like it. <laughs> right. Well, and I have been too because there have been times where, you know, I've mentioned something to my partner and she's been, said, you know, hey, is that what you wanted to say in that moment? And I'm like, mm. no. Technically, no, that yes, was not... that is what I wanted <laughs> to say, but I do regret yes, it now. Like, that's not... well, think about how good of a tool that question is, though. Right. To ask when someone says something rude mm. or sassy or sarcastic or whatever it may be, you're like, just want to confirm that's what you meant to say. Right. All of a sudden, it puts them back on the person who said it, and they're like, oh, mm, no, mm. that was rude. Probably and then if they double that. down, maybe that's the boundary. I'm or or the they double like, down, and it's like, yes, and you're okay. like, okay, cool. That Good. is what you meant to important. say. Good to right. know. <laughs> Enlightening. Um. Did you mean to perform that, or did you mean that to be real? And so, and I think that's one of those things. Is again, it, it sometimes it feels like it can be a performance because it's not our initial thought. And I would argue that it, no, like you get to take stake and say, I was acting outside of the values that I want to put forward, and so I'm I'm taking time to live into what I want to push forward. Right. And sometimes we want to push forward values, but we don't want to do the action that 
gets us there. Yeah. Thus, thus, often, performance, right? It's like, I don't want to do the action, so I'm going to do something that is going to make it seem as though this action is something I would do, mm-hmm. right? That's that's what is that's what performance does is it can it what it does is it performance creates identity mm-hmm. right and that's really important to think about is because when i am acting a certain way whether and i think performative acts when you look at the definition it talks about it a performative act is something that is done that is not just uh true but is also affecting what is true mm-hmm. meaning when i perform something i'm doing it literally and it's making you think that I will continue to act that way, right? When in reality, it may be outside my values. It may be something that I'm only doing to make it like it's any time. It may be rehearsed. And yeah, if I'm exactly. like, like, living authentically moment to moment, then sometimes I'm not going to respond that way. Exactly. And so when you continue to do something performatively, and I'm going to start to believe that that is who you are. Because that's who we, we are, what we do. Which is usually the, the objective people. of people that are acting in a performative way. Well, I, I wish to put this out into the world, even though that's not necessarily who I like. how my brain is wired. Mm-hmm. Well, that begs the question, if you do something enough, even as if it, if it is performative to start with, does it become you? Does that, do those actions become that's, you? That's the mm. question, because I would argue the answer is yes. Like, if you're doing something often enough, that is authentically you. Yes. Yeah. If you, if you, <laughs> if you, yes, if you do a thing enough times, then it forms a habit and mm-hmm. that becomes who you are. Uh, I guess, I suppose, specifically what I was referring to is like people that, you know, uh, get leaned on for their energy mm-hmm. or their, their, their humor. Uh, but their humor, you know, is all about context or maybe it's responsive. And then they have to, you know, as, uh, for me specifically, I uh, get told, like I, when I, at a, at a former job of mine, I had to host a lot of things. They were like, you're funny and energetic. Do this thing. Perform, monkey. And I was, I was like, all right, I will. But I had huge anxiety about it because I don't feel that I'm funny moment to moment. So I ended up writing a lot of things down. Mm-hmm. And is that authentic? No, because those things I wrote down to say that I thought were like humorous, which were, but kind of like Bolin, I knew they would get the reaction I wanted from the audience specifically. Mm-hmm. That I still don't think is who I am. You know, it was it didn't feel authentic to me. So funny, funny, like this is, in, this is really interesting. So I did a little bit of research this semester talking about like what, like, what makes a person a person? And there's a, a thing that it has been experimented on when it comes to memory and what is within the body and what is outside of the body. And the question is, can something outside of our body be a part of what makes a person a person? Mm-hmm. So if you take out a memory example, so someone who has full capacity, full memory, what happens is see, so say, hey, I'm going to tell you this time where I want you to meet us on Thursday. And what happens is they store that in their brain. And then they, they pull that information out. They wake up on Thursday like, oh, it's Thursday. Oh, I'm going out tonight. And that's something that they remember, mm-hmm. right? And so the other side of that is if you have someone who has, you know, short-term memory loss, so they have to write things down, right? And so what they do is you tell them, okay, we need you to meet somewhere on Thursday. They write it in this notebook, right? 
And on Thursday, they look at this notebook and say, oh, it's Thursday. Oh, I have to go to this thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what's the difference between these two people? Like one retrieves this memory from an external source, but that's... I'm very impressed by that person. (laughs) That's their memory, right? They are able to go to this external source. And for most of us, that's like our cell phones, our calendars, our electronic things. What's the difference between what makes a person a person in terms of we just used our the only difference is body, right? Right. So the question is... The, the medium by which you are recalling this information. Yes. But the it's the exact same information. It's the exact same thing. And pretty a lot of the arguments are saying that the person who does that, and that book becomes a part of the person. Okay. Because it's suggesting that people are relationally constituted in a lot of these things. Anyway, long story short, that's what the article does. And so I when I think about performance... And you writing these things down and you retrieving them to in order to do them. I don't know that that makes it any less authentic. Yeah. Because you had to come up with it in the first place. Even right? though you it was performance. Initi- you had to initiate right. it. Right? And so to me, it still feels very authentically you. And in the moment, you are choosing even, even more, potentially more um, thoroughly than you would in a first draft. Hmm. Right, you you have filtered that into the the most you that you want to be in this moment. Yeah. Right, and so that performance may not have felt like the authentic you outside of this performance, but it was fully you in this performance. Does like does that make sense? Am I is that, like am I reaching here? Does that how does that sound? What does no, that I, I understand. I, yes, I think that that can work. I think that you again, as as most of the lenses we look through, I typically they're they're a tool, right? Like performance is a, can be a tool. Um, because I think that you could equally write those things and you're the person who's coming up with these things and you're the person who's jotting this down. And, but you might know, like, I wouldn't say this joke in my friend group or with me, but I'm doing this for, right. Well, the situation wouldn't come up in my friend group. Like, yeah, I'm writing a joke. That is something that I would never really engage with, but But then you use it. Yeah. That it's still you that's using it. So how does that make it so it's not you, you know? Right. And so it's it like we are still what we do. Who we are is what we do. And when we perform, okay. what we're doing is we are shaping who we are. And so what seems to be like, performance, I'm just performing. What I think I'm arguing is that even when you're performing, you are still putting you out into the world. Mm-hmm. Right. You're setting what will become habits or, yeah. or traits of yeah. yours. Even if it's like, well, I'm just performing. It's not going to be that harmful. But you know it's harmful. It is still harmful, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, what, how we perform and what we do still has a massive effect in the world. And I think that's just, I think that's important. Yeah, performance itself is not a blank, like, you know, hands off. Like, I'm free from anything because I'm performing, mm, right? That yeah. doesn't make you free of, for, of criticism. That doesn't make you oh, free boy. of uh, the problematic things that you do when performing. You don't right. get to fall back on like. But it was a performance. But I'm like, not a bending good. supremacist. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I'm friends with benders. Well, and so when we talk about if we're leaning into the uh, you know the performance aspect of the things, we can't not talk about Varric. Oh, he's um, the oh, he is man. the performer of the episode, you know, one and it, yet reveals exactly who he is in this episode. He does. We know exactly what he's doing. Like it's not a secret of you know when it comes to his behavior, right? What hey, inviting someone out to go, you know, have you ever seen Republic City at night? Well, I'm from here. Well, okay, well, the real Republic City, but have City, you like, really? I'm going to bring you out. 
seems like a welcoming gesture, seems like a, an inclusive gesture. But we know that that's Varric yeah. acts this way to go, I don't know what I can get from you yet, but I can get something from you. I want to figure you out, yeah. And so, come hang out with me. And, I mean, this is when Varric fully, he, you know, we see him talk to the president, and he's like, I was a big contributor to his campaign. I contributed to the other guy, too. Gotta hedge your bets. That, and that was right. the the instant, like, oh, Varric is who he is the whole time. Like. Unapologetically. And I think what's really interesting about analyzing this performance in particular is the people like him because of the way he performs. Like, they find him charming. They find him funny. You're talking about people in the fandom? What an eccentric businessman. Both both fandom and show. Like, everybody loves Varric in this show. I mean, of course, Unalak doesn't like him because, duh. But, like, it seems like everybody else is charmed by Varric. And, like, you know, here we go. It seems as though he's giving us face value, telling us everything that's on his mind. But because of culture and the way that we engage with people, we laugh that stuff off. Right. We're like, oh, he's just being funny. Because if that were true, that'd be really scary. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to go there. Turns out it is <laughs> Turns true. Turns out it's true. Super true. <laughs> and you should latch and listen to people when they speak because you'll learn a lot. When we see this performance too, the uh, the brainstorming performance, right? Oh, the, man. Him, everything he does about he no he did not need to do those things to to move the the chess oh, pieces. Oh, I think he into likes place. the performance too, though. Um, yeah, he did the pepper and the hanging and the but he could have easily been like, we're gonna we want to do this with Asami's um, machines and we want to we'll do this for Korra. That's the thing you could like. He knew the the moves that needed to be made. He intentionally said, I'm gonna perform this in a way to. To make me seem like I'm eccentric and crazy and yeah, not you know, not really thoughtful about these types of things. I think that was clearly a performance. I think it's way more intentional. Like, cause I, I think that on the first time, second time, even like third time watching through, when I watch it, I'm like, he seems like just like so. It's like chaos for him. But mm-hmm. I think it is so. I think he's playing chess, mm. and he is like, I got all of these things planned out, which makes it seem a lot more sinister yeah. and even more duplicitous for for this for these performances, right? Yeah. And that's. I, I still don't know. Is is this truly just chaos, or is this something where he is playing chess? If it is, he never drops it on the show. He he remains right? that kind of you know organized chaos throughout from season two through four. Yeah, he's going overboard almost all the time, and to be able to see say is is he doing this to paint a picture of himself or to create an image of himself, or is he doing that because it's just kind of the way he is i took is, it i took him at face value with right. it is that it is you know i think he you know plays it up a little bit but i do think to your point earlier it is still part of his authentic self and that might be why you know he maintains that personality uh through season three and season four yeah well because his authentic self is one who manipulates right so like he does that often and so is that authentically who he is and right. so you perform enough that's part of your authenticity at that point true mm-hmm. there's yeah i mean there's just a lot there i think that's yes yeah i i just i i think i'm getting to this this idea where again i think about Varric and this like constant who he is is how he continuously is performing and we start to realize that oh this is a part of who he is and we start to again understand him a little bit better when we realize that these performances 
are who he is rather than trying to suss out like who's the inner Varric here is he good <laughs> is he bad and it's 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 you can't drop it to that question it's it's a false binary right it is he is all of these things right he is all of these he things. he does good more. things he does bad things it is yeah. whatever he views is going to benefit him in the long run regardless right. of yep. the he is he is chaotic new like he's chaotic especially neutral, especially right? this like the, season yeah mm-hmm. he, he is very self interested when we talk about performative works right this is this he this is where he, like he's going to invite you out or he's going to give money or he's going to he's going to buy your business or he's going to be supportive but he's only doing it for what for it gives his, him. for what it gives him in the long run um, yeah for how it changes the social reality yeah. Mm-hmm. But people view him, whether it's the fandom or inside of the show itself, people view him as, a, you know, well, he gives money. He runs philanthropy. Is, he's... Is he a parasite or a symbiote? Like, right. it, it, like Asami needs Varric. Future Industries probably would go under if she didn't do what she does this season with him. Like, but it also wouldn't go under had he not done what he did. True. So, <laughs> tough. Mm. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes, who who else? Such an unexpectedly complex comic relief character. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't. I wonder if they intended that to be as the morally and ambi- like because I don't know who's more ethically incorrect a majority of the time, Varric or you know the Red Lotus uh, yeah. at certain moments throughout. Or the, Unalak. Like, that's right. right? So. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, Unalak is part of the Red Lotus. Well. <laughs> I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> or don't jump me. Like goodness. Still that like phone call scene that comes. Oh my god. He's so like, oh, good. and the lock's calling again. Ooh, this guy. <laughs> um. Who else? Who else are we talking about when it comes to performing? Oh, we have to talk about Unalak. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Unalak. I mean, I've got so much to say. Okay. About, uh, okay. Well, let's let's start with item item the, number one. Here's the list that we wrote down. This is authentically Cameron writing all of these things down. And I mean, he was a huge part of why I wanted to talk about performativity because he. I mean, I would like to be clear that at this moment I say not all people that are religious are this way. However, he is very clearly an archetype that does exist in our world. And specifically to me, Unalak is a mega church pastor. Mm. Like he will promise you very specific things. He promises Cora, like I can teach you spirit bending. I only can only I. Oh, right. Exactly. Uh, and he has, he has, you know, this very, like he has, he promises this gift to Cora. Uh, but obviously, as we know, it turns out to be for his own methods, his own gains. This particular episode, we see him say, we have to protect the spirit portal at all costs. That seems like a selfless thing to do because he seems, he's still pretending, he's still performing to be interested in yes. what is best that for is the world example. and mm-hmm. what is best for the southern water tribe specifically but he has his very own specific goal in mind he is interested in himself gaining more power well that's such a good example of performative language is we need to protect the spirit portal at all costs at face value that is true right so a performative language is not like true or false so that's not something that you're trying to use when you qualify performative language it's what does the performative language communicate right it's to everyone it's making him seem as though 
he wants to protect the spirit portal because he's a good person and all this jazz, right? He's a very spiritual man. But as we know, that is not how it is. And so what it does is, again, it's this form of lie, right? And I think that's where performance is really, really complicated, especially in real life. It's really complicated. Yeah. I get the same vibes, Cameron. I mean, it's the the speaking in absolutes, the... Um, the, we're doing this for your own benefit, and this is why we do these things. And right, but it's yeah. really to just cover up the dirty work. It's that's tradition. Happening. I hate it. I hate traditions. <sighs> Not like I traditions. Love traditions, because ritual and traditions. You know, Casper yeah, Kyle, some, we love him, and some and... traditions are very, very lovely, and some of them need need to die. <laughs> traditions are lovely as long as you can think critically about why they happen. Yeah, like as long as there is a reason beyond we've always done it. Agreed. Like, and that's, I think, that you know, but Unalak hides behind, we do this for tradition mm-hmm. to get his own. I mean, he's a master manipulator. He's a very yeah. smart man. He knows exactly what piece of information to bring to drive a wedge between Cora and the people she cares about and the people yep. that care about her. Well, and I think this is such a good articulation of uh, how we see politicians act in our world, right? <laughs> like this is like Unalak is supreme politician here. And saying, I know exactly what I need to say in order to make the people think that I'm right. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's basically episodes one through four. And they'll never know. And they'll, and exactly. And they'll just have never. And then, you know, his own brother was fooled by this performance. Right? And yeah. it's, again, has been this his whole life. Right? And so when they figure out this is how he is, he doubles down and goes even harder. <laughs> right? Because that's how he's always lived in the world. Because some people still believe him. Yikes. Hmm. Yeah. Scary. Imagine promising something and then delivering something completely different. Oh, never. Who? Never. Who would do that? Who would do that? Don't forget student loan payments start back up on, <laughs> on January of this upcoming uh, January upcoming what? January 1st? Yep. Get ready. Yay. <laughs> Love that. Well, Cora doesn't have any student loans. Speaking of presidents, let's talk about President Raiko for a minute. Yeah, let's do it. Formative politician. Right? I mean, there's the very obvious, you know, he poses, he makes Cora pose for a picture with a smile before he's like, I'm not going to give you what you not want. Not giving you anything. Yeah. <laughs> I think another thing that's interesting about Raiko is thinking about his character as it develops, not just in this episode, but like in the comics and things like that. And he just gets worse. Yeah. Like, he <laughs> There is, I, I feel like it's really like he continues to be. Uh, it's just a big old I don't like bad, gross iceberg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so why, why does he remind me of Full Metal Alchemist? You know, what I he mean? looks a little like bit a, like Wrath. Yeah. Uh, or depending on which, which he's, Full Metal Alchemist yeah, he's, you're watching. Yeah. Um, the Fuhrer, King mm-hmm. Bradley, I should say, Wrath and Full Metal, and then hmm. Pride oh, and a, Brotherhood. Spoiler. You just spoil seasons. All of it. Long. All of it. And it Spoiled. came out in 2003. You're yeah, right. if you're behind, you're, if you're behind, you should. Sorry, you just, y'all. There's only so much you can do yeah. for spoilers. We try so hard. I mean, you got you've had 18 years. You got so also, far. Also, you should watch those shows because they're amazing. I just started um, Castlevania for the first time. Oh, I love Castlevania. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I was really caught off guard with season one being only four episodes. And right. I was like, am I? I'm on season two. Oh. Uh, <laughs> They, did they I miss something? I started <laughs> watching when only season one was out, and I was like, that's it? That's that can't, it. There's that no can't more. That was it. a movie. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, 
enjoying that. So, but Ryko, President Ryko, yeah, right, <laughs> right. I think again, this is what happens when we have a political system that is, you know, majority vote, and what happens is it becomes more important. When, like when there is not a limited term, right? It mm-hmm. becomes more important to impress people to stay in power than it is to do things that are actually beneficial. And so what we see Ryko doing is he's caring about re-election. And so he is like, no, 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 we're going to do what is easiest, what is most comfortable, that everybody likes what's going on. Right. And this is, this is performance to the max. I'm not going to let our armies do anything because I need our people to love like this current situation. Right. So when we make these decisions with that in mind, it's really kind of changes the ethical game of like, do I do what is right? Or do I do what will get me reelected, which will help me do more things that are like semi not right because I'm going to keep performing intent of the system versus reality of the system. Exactly. Yeah. And I think performance is one of the reasons like the feeling this compulsion to perform, to fit in, to buy people is not good. (laughs) And as like the result is not good for many situations. Um, I'm curious for you all, like where, like we've, like we've, we're continuing to see how performance is meh in terms of ethics, but where, where is performance good? Like where, where do we see that if at all? Hmm. In this episode specifically. Yeah. And then good in what way? Like yeah, exactly. Bolin's performance right? is good in that the crowd stays hyped up for the sporting event that they're supposed to attend. And you but... could argue builds like, cause it, with sports in general, right? You can argue that it builds, you know, civic pride and right. community and a sense of belonging. Sure. And so, you know, you could argue that Bolin by getting everyone together and finding something to unify them in that stadium yeah. gives them, that sense of joy. Yeah. Um, Cause I think I've mentioned it before this season. One of the coolest things to me recently after, you know, as the pandemic is what hopefully feels like on a, on a, on a latter end, but the, as concerts and things have come back, there was a moment that I went to a show recently and the, the right chords hit and everyone in the, in the concert venue cheered. And it was just like, I've missed this. I've missed the right. collective joy of everyone being together and feeling this. And so you could argue that Bolin is, providing that similar to the way that you know a concert or you know an right. artist might do that as well and so and this is, brings up a really important question of like competing competing things because what's more important right to in the long run to uh help people learn how to talk about uncomfortable things in public or continuing to create a culture in which you know it's you know, uh, uh expected to deflect from uncomfortable conversations Mm -hmm. or is it a context thing though of like again you know to sunshine's point about the the environment that you're in is a sporting event really the venue to talk about civil war or your personal breakup or like is that the time and the place is that yeah yeah yeah. no i think that's really important question to ask too and so these competing like ethical obligations are are there right what is the again asking the question of the greater good i see you know and it becomes one of these things where if you aren't asking yourself when you go into performance mode what your goal is and whether it's 
competing obligations are worthy of is this something that is should should this my comfort be the priority in this situation mm-hmm. should the fans comfort be the priority in this if you're not asking mm-hmm. that in your performance then you might be missing an ethical cue that's you know right. leading you down leading you astray you know, it's and it's we we want to make sure we're lifting up like the the false binary and is it can it be both can you do both like it, well, right and, those and, and sure those are the things because it doesn't necessarily have to be either or um but but we've also you know as we've said earlier you know there are ways to perform for safety there are ways to perform for the safety of others there are ways to perform for um you know our, our is this the right time to grab the microphone and and steal this spotlight you know from someone else right. who's we're celebrating in this moment because yes, things are important and yes, things are worth talking about. But I think context, the why, and I think if we've hopefully, if, especially this season, that we've talked about it, just the awareness piece of why am I doing this? The more we ask ourselves that question in regards to performance, in regards to our values, in regards to the, you know, our first drafts, why are we doing this is a, just a really nice question to ask yourself. Yeah. Just to check in, just to kind of like gauge the meter every now and then, right? Yeah. So just, I recommend it. Hey, why am I doing this? Oh, because I like doing it. Is that a good enough reason to do it right now? Yeah, Some, I think it sometimes is. yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm keep doing it. Right? right. Well, and I think one of the things we we see Mako asking this question in this episode, right? This 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 both sides have a point thing where Raiko's like, mm. hey, you you're you know that you're supposed to tell me because you've sworn an oath. You've sworn this oath. And you, you are a man of the law first before anything else. And that was the moment I was like, alert, alert, alert. Well, because we've said this on the show before, but legality does not equal morality. No. Right. And so what's the moral thing to do versus what is the legal thing to do? And Mako is caught in multiple ways because what's the moral thing when he has sworn an oath? Right. He's a cop. Right. He, he is a cop, which is why the system is broken. <laughs> because, like, like he was led to do something that was ultimately for not for the greater good, right? Because I, I would argue that Team Avatar is usually doing the better, like, greatest the good, yeah, right? right thing. But do they mess but up? Yes. <laughs> in his, but from his perspective, and like, I can't, I, I, I'm not saying this perspective is correct, but from his perspective. <laughs> He has seen Cora make what he would consider to be incorrect choices and yes. be, be pretty unreasonable these last few episodes with him in their personal relationship. So it's not surprising to like I completely understand why in that moment he would not choose his personal relationship with Cora over yeah. the oath of the president standing in front of him. Yeah. Well, that's what's so interesting because you burn you, the system down. You ask also. fans, <laughs> like. Yeah. That's a problem with this. There's a very flawed oh, system. Yeah. Like, yes. But I think what's interesting about that is when we we start to judge these people for making decisions like this. Yeah. Right? Mako in this moment. Is, the second it happened, I was like, come on, Mako. Right? Super judgy. And I felt it too. Like, I was feeling like, Mako, you. Ugh. And this is this is always where I land. So, you know, from outside the show, when people get upset, because these are feelings. I, I get upset with Cora and how often she goes into, like, her first mindset. Because yep. so often she goes into the binary of it's either me versus them, and these are the only two sides. Because even, so even Mako at some point goes, like, what is with you in, like, sides? Sides. Um, and so I'm super frustrated. However, I will argue to 
tooth and nail that like the writing and her character development and her as a character is engaging and very real because this is a thing that people do regularly right is is get it back up against the wall and immediately go with the first draft and immediately go with an us versus them mentality stop targeting me <laughs> so the, audi- the audience can't hear that i've actually just been blank staring at you the entire time i'm talking <laughs> That's, I think, what's so... In 30 seconds of me, just no no loss of eye contact. Right. Um, but, but we see so many people get upset with Korra and like, oh, Korra, Korra stinks as the Avatar and what a terrible show. And it's like, I, just because it made you feel something does right. not make it bad. She's right. a very... like She is a well-written character, objectively. She has good arcs in each season. I think... Uh, there are valid critiques you can throw at this show. Absolutely. Korra being a badly written character is not one of them. No. Like, nope. <laughs> yeah, not. Because she's making you feel things the entire time. Because the amount of times I'm like, Korra? If you don't like her, it's probably you have a friend exactly like her and you're... Or you might be exactly like her. you're the friend exactly like her. Because um, the moment she's like arguing with him, I'm like, this is – it, so many shows that if there was just a therapist that was like, hey, let's sit down and talk, we'd be like – Let's chat. <laughs> Wait, tell me how you're feeling. Um, because it is it is frustrating to see her go that. And I, that makes it – honestly, though, but the manipulation, the performance of the presidency, the performance of mm. the politician alone – this the way they have to engage with the world around them is a I'm doing this for the benefit of me and I'm doing and it for the benefit of what I think is right. Again, sometimes. from Ryko's perspective, while I personally disagree, like he is the president of a nation that has literally nothing to do with this conflict. He is choosing not to invade another nation and enact his will upon a conflict within that nation. Yeah, well, and is it because are they more like the UN? Is Republic City more like the UN or is it more like a. I, in that case, I could see it being, no, we need to go. I'm pretty sure it feels more UN-y to me. Oh, see, I took it more as, like, this is America. This is the melting pot. Which, like, well, America would definitely invade that country. <laughs> uh, it depends. Is Unalaka socialist? <laughs> I think we both know he is Because Republic not. City would be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> Oh, look, we found a way to take all their resources. Socialism doesn't work. See, guys, socialism's bad. <laughs> Oof. Um, Yikes. We have, uh, we have not talked about Tenzin and Milo and this oh, yeah. episode. Um, and so do, do we see performance and in, in performativity in, in that aspect of this episode? I did. I took this uh, – I, I very much uh, – this this particular viewing, I took this this interpretation that Tenzin is just trying so hard to prove to himself that he can teach. That mm-hmm. Cora didn't get rid of him because he was a bad teacher. Like oh, he's I trying really hard. I wasn't really thinking about hard, this at all. That's interesting. Trying really hard to go against that referendum, which she levels at him, where like you're a bad teacher and I'm leaving you. And that's how I took that. Like he saw this moment to like, I know how to teach, Milo. I'm gonna teach you how to teach. And then at the end, he's like, oh, I've created a monster. (laughs) So many lemurs. (laughs) The way I'm thinking about performance is something that is interesting when you think about parenting. Because when I imagine, like I imagine having a child and you, I believe I'm the type of person that would go and read about 15 parenting books 
and I'd be like, I'm sure you've already read 15 Does, does Brene books Brown write a parenting book? She does have an audio. <laughs> Gifts of wholehearted parenting. You almost made it through an entire episode. <laughs> Cameron, you ruined it. <laughs> but yeah, I have read parenting books. You're right. Uh, I would probably read more. But the reason I say it is because um, even though I feel like I am, I, I'm, I'm going into like this idea of like imposter syndrome, where if I feel like I'm a not a good parent and I'm like, oh, I'm not good. I, I don't like I shouldn't. Have, why? Why do I have a child? Oh, my gosh. And then they start reading these books and start you know i i'm not a good parent but i'm gonna do this thing and then that becomes that performance of like oh but i'm gonna get this i'm gonna do it and then you know they start to perform other ways to to perform as a good parent Mm -hmm. at what point does the person cease to become oh i guess i am a good parent right from this i'm i'm not a good parent and that's a very um, perception-oriented question, right? Right. Because, What's the rubric? Like, well, because you might look in that and be like, "You're an incredible parent." Like, wow, man. And I'd be like, "Oh no, I just, I just read this book. I'm learning. I don't know anything." You have no right? idea how hard like, I'm trying. You, like, you, you don't like. Ex- ex- that's exactly right. Okay. You don't know how hard because this performance that I'm putting on mm-hmm. is when I'm talking to this three-year-old child. Like when I'm talking to Milo, right? Who is just like all kinds, like like I I have to put on this, like I'm gonna per- put my parenting mask on. I'm gonna perform parenting for Milo. I'm gonna make sure that and I'm and this I'm is what Tenzin right does. Things. And, right. and Tenzin, you see him with no filter while he's watching Milo. Yep. And then when he starts talking to Milo. The filter is class over reward, right? And it, like he. <laughs> And he goes into it and he has this like, so I think when we filter and choose to, you know, code switch and fit in and change how we, what we're doing is we're performing. But again, Oh, can we put a pin and come back to code switching? Yeah. So my question is this pin, this performance that Tenzin is putting on as I'm going to be a good teacher. I'm going to like, I'm going to do this and perform this way, or I'm going to be a good parent. Yeah. It makes him a good parent. It makes well, him a good and, teacher. And that's because we think of the, the 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 exhausted parent, right? Whose child comes in and maybe does a couple things to push the buttons, and they've had a long day, and they've done all these things to prepare Pema. for the holidays and Pema, uh, right? Yeah, Pema. Right. And so all this, <laughs> say it again, <laughs> Pema. Um, and so all this stuff has happened. So they're on their their last, you know, like their last dial is right there. The tank is almost empty, and in those moments, it's so easy to sit there and say like, I, I can't perform this I, anymore. I can't perform. And they do, right? And so the question of whether or not, like, it's a performance is, no, are you just a good parent? Because that's, you're, you're, do, you're modeling the right behaviors right. and you're showing up and being present. And so even though you feel like it's a performance, like, it is very real and very authentic. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's a performance. And I think that's probably a question that's is like, my just, does point. It, just does it matter? Like, sometimes if it's a performance or not, if you are doing the right thing. Or the well, wrong thing. Or the wrong thing. You're still harm, doing the right or wrong thing. Because what you view as a performance, someone else views as completely authentic. Right. Um, Perception is reality, people. Yeah. And so, because I think I think you're right. I think this is a moment where Tenson shows up and says, "I'm going, I'm going to put my, I'm putting my teacher pants on, and like this is, <laughs> I'm putting my pants? teacher uh, robe, ah. the, the, <laughs> mustache wax. I don't know. <laughs> um, 
And so, and he sh- but he shows up. In you the, know he uses beard oil. Because there are moments of authenticity in that because the the moment that speaks to me too is when Milo says like, it's lonely being the alpha lemur. And Tenzin goes, it it is. You're like, that is such a real moment for Tenzin where I'm like, dude, I I want to hug you, bud. Well, that like, was what, sold, that was what told me that he was doing this to prove that he like, that Korra hadn't written him off. Like he was do- proving to himself that he could mm-hmm. teach. And at the end, he sees that, like, oh, he can, but is this getting the results you want, mm-hmm. this particular method of teaching that you've been using? And, mm. so, and so maybe, like, my takeaway from this conversation might be, like, performance or not, like, it just is... If, Fake it till you make it is kind of real. It is. It, 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 it is lip scientifically real. And sometimes <laughs> I'm going to feel like I'm performing, and sometimes I'm not going to feel like I'm performing. And sometimes, but, like, my intent or the way that I move into that is irrelevant to whatever the impact is. And I think that that's where my, my takeaway with performing might be. I am fascinated by this because, so for me personally in my life, I have been struggling a lot with one of my favorite authors being very problematic recently. Love that. Love someone who might like a, it's Joanne Rowling. It's Joanne Rowling. Great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 Um, And I have personally been able to ensure that I do not financially contribute to her future legacy. That is a little bit easier to do now than it will be soon when there's a new movie and all this other like other stuff going on. If it makes you feel better, like the second Fantastic Beast movie was was bad, so bad, oh my god, <laughs> so oh my god. It's terrible, so, like that objectively help, that bad. Uh, but I want you know I I wonder about performativity. Like if you you know if you claim to be an ally for trans people, but you've heard how. Some trans people are directly affected by her views and legitimately yep. her money. She is contributing actively. <laughs> She's causing harm. Right. She is actively causing harm. At what point, like, is that performative allyship that you are that you're exhibiting is I that agree. harmful? I agree. I one hundred percent agree with this. Yeah. And that's what I've personally been struggling with a lot recently because I, you know, Harry Potter was such a huge part of my childhood. It's what made me a reader and a critical thinker, ironically. Like another, like another thing that comes up for me is, you know, I, I, I think about this question with Chick-fil-A because I love Chick-fil-A and the chicken nuggies, right? They're so good. And I, I, I used to, I was addicted to them in college and then I like, you know, they, that's the hate chicken. When it comes to them supporting um, foundations and organizations that are anti-LGBT. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, but this one chicken sandwich, you know, it's, it's, is it like, do I, I'm not Is this $7 really? Is this $7 really going? And and the answer to me, like I've come down on is like, no, I will not pay for Chick-fil-A anymore. That is against, you know, here we are. Chick-fil-A, you can also sponsor us. Uh, (laughs) We will say no. I will not take Chick-fil-A money. But well, but but that's that's another example, right? It's like, well, I'm gonna perform and say, we're, like, these are all the things we say on the podcast. But then, if we were then to take sponsorship from an organization mm. that does something <laughs> like that, that's a, a like. You'd be fascinated at who takes money from who. <laughs> well, but that's exactly my point, right? And right. it's just like this: we live in this world, and if we aren't aware and asking questions around like what people are actually doing versus what people are saying they're doing, we're missing out. <laughs> and it's tough, like because that's what politicians do, which is why you should research your politicians. Yeah, and and research companies. 
Companies hide within companies, hide within other companies. Yes. And then we all get trapped because there's really no ethical consumption under capitalism. Well, and and then we have to live within that system. Is it ethically responsible for me to own a smartphone? Right? That's another question. There's a whole lot. Okay. But anyway, we could go into this long, 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 deep, 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 deep. That's a much deeper conversation. And and like, not to make light of any situation, because honestly, I honestly hate Chick fil A, but I would also argue it's like, Tier four of like chicken sandwiches. Thank you. I agree. Popeyes I would so much rather. Yeah, I don't I'd, buy it I'd, anymore. I'd rather have Popeyes. I'd rather have Zaxby's. I'd uh, rather have Bojangles. Zaxby's. Yes. Popeyes. Eh, fine. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say it. It's fine. No. Wow, that take is hotter than the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> There's you, just so many y'all. other better chicken sandwiches. I'd rather. I'd rather Tell rise. You what, rise chicken biscuits. I make a dope fried chicken sandwich it is so good well if i have not done all four elements yet and i get to come back i would love a chicken sandwich <laughs> yeah you make it to four we can do dinner that sounds <laughs> only, if, only if you're rounding out your elements if we realize that right. you're like <laughs> you've been water all three times um so yeah uh anything else we want to hit on this specific episode before we jump into the I, other practices that we have today i do want to talk about cora a little bit in that i feel like she is one of the least performative characters i feel that she is consistently uh authentically herself and you know for better or for worse that that she goes with her first draft because you know well, and, and i think that's again i, I want to like differentiate and challenge that a little bit i think you're right i'm agreeing with you and qualifying a little bit like i think she is 100 percent acting on this first draft the whole time but i think again that's no different than comparing it to you who ha- were was acting through your third draft sure right both of those i think are you right and for cora i have my i guess my theory for this one is to somewhat sidestep is i think she what my question is what when she was really young caused her to feel the need to act like uh as though she were able to take down the world are we are we ready to talk about how labeling kids gifted at a really young age is problematic and And it puts undue pressure on them for the rest of their lives i think that's part of it i also think it's she heard she heard what the avatar is she realized that you know, I, I wonder if she felt um, patriarchal notions from the White Lotus, who this bunch of men walk in the room and say, is your child the Avatar really? And like, oh, a girl. Right? And, and then like, the second it happens, she's at the orders of men. Aang and, you yep, know, and, and her father and, and yeah. Tenzin, who have all said, you will stay here and yes. train this way. And it leads her to performing a certain way that becomes, that's who she is. Well, she only knows how to use her hammer. Like, Yeah. Yeah. And so I think performing over time is what led her to this version of Korra. And what we're seeing is, again, a result of when we put people in a box and force them to perform a certain way, it's going to shape who that person is over time. I love Korra so much. Mm. As a character, I... I think that all these things are so important to who she is. It's vital to who she is that she discovered her avatarness herself. Yeah. Nobody told her. Yeah. Uh, she discovered it at a quarter of the age that you normally are mm-hmm. when, like, she's what four or five. Yeah. When she finds out herself that she can firebend, yeah, she knew. <laughs> right. I'm the avatar. Kicks, you gotta kick the wall it. down. There was no like playing with relics. There was nope. no nope. doing the Didn't test. Need it. it was fire, water, air, baby belly. <laughs> like... Exactly. And, and just 
and you usually have to find out at 16. Like, Roku had no idea until Sozin and his birthday party. And right. Aang didn't know until he was told either. And he was told early. Yeah. Like, <sighs> Kiyoshi found out late. Indeed. I love the books so much. <laughs> I still yeah. haven't read the last They're one. They're so good. I'm where you are. Um, I read the first one, and I intended to read the uh, Shadow of Kiyoshi, but... Uh, then X-Men comics got really good again. <laughs> so I've been busy. I've, I love I think both so of them. Star Wars has taken up my time this year. I also really like, this is again, no need to plug this, but I really like the audio versions of them yeah, too. I they think were they're really very good. good. Yeah. That narrator, um, uh, FCE. That's the, the author, author. Yeah. I don't remember the narrator. She's um, great though. Yeah. She did a great job. Agreed. Anyway. Audible, you can sponsor us. We would accept. <laughs> yeah, and then it's Amazon and Jeff Bezos. Yeah, and just uh, yeah. everybody's a problematic. <laughs> oh no, we can't be sponsored at all. Patrons, that leads us to you. B and B underscore pod. <laughs> Please don't be problematic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't be problematic. One, but also, uh, you know, we're we accept your support, but know that we don't require your support, and that is performative language (laughs) (laughs) mash that subscribe button like it it is both true and i'm saying it in order to accomplish social change and that is what performative language is fantastic we're gonna take a quick break (laughs) and we'll be right back with a few of our favorite exercises he's cutting me off no it it was such a good button got a, a few a few new things to get in get into yeah. and uh the first thing we do is is our new segment and uh i forgot that i was tasked with coming up with a name for this so we're doing nooks and crannies we are not we're not it's not we're happening not. Not i really would is. like not to do that see we're not naming it that so uh we're gonna call it yays and whoopsies <laughs> whoopsie and cranny rhyme no what <laughs> no <laughs> They are called whoopsies. Those are moments in the shows we don't like. The ones we do like are yay. And, oh, wait, so we okay, so I and can, you have to do you have yay! to do like the hands in there, like yay. People they can't see the the hands in the air. But they we'll know, know, they know, will know, and now they'll know. So our yays and our whoopsies. whoopsies. We this is why we need the YouTube channel right here is for this moment I don't right have that type here. Of commitment level. No. I've only been doing the show for. Four years. Yeah. I only do this on the condition that nobody knows what I look like. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll go with our yays and our whoopsies. I'm uh, sorry. Whoopsies. You have to do yays again because you didn't put your hands There were no hands. <laughs> and our whoopsies. 
Let's just get to it. All right. So, uh, Ben, what was your yay and your whoopsie? Yeah. So I think for my yay was General Iroh. Because I really love this moment where he, it seems like he is able to process and hear out what's going on. It seems like there's a, a trust level with Korra, and he's able to discern when and how he can um, use the system to his advantage. Even when, like, and, and I think that when we are a part of a system that is can be problematic, <laughs> like most of them. What happens is we need to be able to sometimes lean into the rules of the system in order to maintain what we need to maintain. Right. And I think being able to watch General Iroh navigate that, and then he's like, "Okay, my my shoes are my shoes are tied. I can't do this now." Um, right. My hands are legally tied. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think shoes are tied as the they were tied together. The, like the as in he couldn't move any further because he would trip if he did. It was tied together. Um, so that's my cranny now. Because... No, it's a, it's a whoopsie. It's a whoopsie. It's a cranny in the conversation. I 1,000% reject the phrase my cranny is. We, we have to stop saying it's a whoopsie. It's now a whoopsie. Whoopsie! The, the default, we can think sorry, of a better name sorry, later, but sorry. the default will be whoopsie. whoopsie. I, mean, I yep. said cranny. Stop oh saying God. it. It's bad. It's, I don't... Okay. Cameron, hey, have you been to the farmer's market and gotten those, like, uh, cranny smiths? <laughs> I, I hate it. 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 <laughs> it is called a whoopsie. What is your whoopsie? I'm sorry. Oh, no. I didn't. I, we were going to hear everybody's number. Oh, we're to. <laughs> no. They're called yays. Yays and whoopsies. <laughs> I don't. We, it's taking too long. Uh, Cameron, what is your yay? Uh, my yay. You didn't do it. The hands. Oh my goodness, Ben. You said ben. we needed to do it, and you didn't wave ben. your hands. You're in timeout. I'm, I'm... You for, for two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> your microphone's about to be turned off for a minute. Let I Cameron speak fully. Um, maybe this will get me soft canceled. Uh, my yay for the episode is Bolin See, in the it. costume for Nucktuck. I have a huge crush on Bolin and uh, so on Bolin or on on Nucktuck. Bolin, okay, but in the Nucktuck costume, that was my yay. The for The question episode. is, my yay when Bolin acts as Nucktuck. Nope, we're, is we're he next Nuck-tuck? episode. We have, we have lots to talk about Bolin and his behavior next episode. But this oh, propaganda. Is... <laughs> yeah. Oh, consent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll 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 do our Bolin slander next. Something episode, to look forward sure. to next time. But we're picking the hot bod is, is thousand percent. Is, Bolin is my himbo king, and love uh, I love him. But uh, another another yay for me. Another yay for me. There this episode uh, was Cora leading something peaceful. Hmm. Hmm. Trying to go about it through the system she put her hammer away she tried for the first time in forever <laughs> somebody else blew up buildings yeah um that's actually going to be my my whoopsie is the the fact that it seems like what these was characters your, i'll get to yay? my i'll get to my yay soon oh, so you're out of but my, you still didn't do the hands oh my goodness ben you said that they would know because <laughs> we were gonna say you did say then you've been muted you are <laughs> Your dial is Ben. You're on down. mute. <laughs> if, so calm down. Um, <laughs> well, 
your behavior will dictate whether or not I turn you back up. Um, no one heard that because you're on mute. <laughs> um, my, my, uh, but I, I think one of the things that it seems like a lot of these characters so often go to violence as the very first step. Um, and that's something that I don't love to see. And that's just something that I think happens over and over again in this episode, whether it's let's sell the war machines and let's make sure we're fighting and let's take an army down there and let's, it's, it's, let's bypass authority and go directly to the soldiers. Right. And so I think that that's, that's my, that's my whoopsie. Um, my yay is, uh, just the way that Tenzin shows up and the way that he's present. And I don't think he's perfect in every sense of the way that he's teaching, but I don't think you have to be. I think right. him he, being there, him being present in that moment, him learning and just – I feel like he listens really well. A show about a perfect character would be the most boring show in history. Correct, mm. and, he, and he's not. Um, mm. But he shows up, and he's super present in this mm-hmm. moment. And I love I love the Milo bonding time that happens there. And so, yeah, that's that makes me feel, feel oh, good on the inside. Another yay! is that we went a whole episode with Milo with no fart jokes. That's uh Oh, that's my yeah. You don't like that's the actually ones? that's actually one of my whoopsies. <laughs> or is it a cranny? No. Ben, <laughs> what is uh what is your You turned his mic back on. You <laughs> Or did you turn it off? Am no, I still it's muted? Back on. No. Okay. Ben. Um so that you've you've said your yay. What's your whoopsie? My whoopsie is there's just a lot of angst in this episode. This is like a drama episode. Very drama, drama. Oh, the relationship um, drama was... I've, it's it's I've, drama, drama, drama. It's never, it's I, never I, been I where Avatar excels. I watched the OC for that. So, you know, not... That's yeah. What, that's where I want it. Well, and it's just... There's just a lot of drama. This whole, like, even the twins... And, like, another thing that bums me out is this, you know, crannyish behavior that we get from Unalak and the twins around. Like, it's just, like, I really want the twins to question their father a little bit and just be like... Like I need you to, <laughs> I want like, them to respect. What is boundaries? going on here around like like listening and like what what are they gaining from this? What like what are, what's going through their head and how did this brainwashing occur? Because it just seems like they're uh, well, robot gone, robot we puppets. Do you know? this is the first episode we see genuine emotion from one of them, Eska. Yeah, from from Aubrey Plaza's character. Mm-hmm. I mean it. It's not a positive emotion, but it is the first time they've broken out of their "we are twin robots" uh, persona. Yeah, emotions are emotions, you know. Yeah, but Even when I've been through them. breakups, and murder has never and really does, crossed my mind on any of them. Does Unalak seem like Father of the Year? Um, no, 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 no. Not even performatively. No, no. Nah, he's like not. He's like a super cranny. You're about to get put in timeout for the rest of the episode. <laughs> My whoopsie is that uh, just the continued uh, way that some of the female characters are written or underwritten. Yeah. Which happens yes. weirdly a lot in this series sometimes. Well, it, it's that is not... about a female lead character. It, it brings up how many women were in the writer's room mm-hmm. and like, and then how many women along the way, you know, signed off on this characterization or not just, you know, Eska, but uh, the way, you know, Julie is very, you know, quiet, subservient mm-hmm. for now. You know, it interesting. Very yeah. much so. Very much so. Yeah. All right, Sunshine, do the thing. 
Do the thing. Um, we're Julie, up to <laughs> do the thing. We are up to devotion, and yeah. we are going through the lens of water, the yes, element of water. Indeed. And so, Quiet. who's got a focus? Who wants to go? Well, here's what I'm thinking. So, I'm thinking about performance, and I'm thinking about the the question that I raised earlier was how do we like? I want to cultivate awareness around. How do we know? Because we know that when we're more aware, we can we are better. We have more agency. We can make better decisions, and we can better live into the the person that we want to be, our favorite self, so to speak. And I'm thinking about how water has the capacity, uh, in its various forms, to shape the world. Uh, I, for instance, when you boil water and you put a carrot into it, it makes the carrot soft. When you put a, a hard boil, like a hard egg shell, into it. And then all of a sudden, it makes the inside like hard. So it, boiling water has the capacity to do both, mm-hmm. right? And so I need to be mindful about why am I boiling, when I'm boiling, and who am I affecting through that. And I need to be aware of how my performance as a boiling as boiling water mm-hmm. uh, affects the people that are around me. Like who are the eggs and, and who that are the you carrots. could yeah you could soften someone and harden somebody right? else exactly. And then on the other hand when i am boiling and like i also need to be aware of when there is coffee around that is changing my nature as well right and so when you put boiling water and coffee together what do you get you, the the water itself is changed mm-hmm. and so i need to realize when i'm being surrounded by people who are changing me noticing that what is that like i need to be around and notice how i am changing others through my performance and so again i'm like how do i cultivate this awareness around what these various parts of who i am and what i'm doing um are affecting the world and so my to do is to like figure out what that red flag is for me. It's like, oh, this is me performing. Yeah. This is and how and and then pause <laughs> and then ask some questions. And so like that's I'm gonna try and identify what that red flag is for me mm-hmm. or that flag in general. And then that's my I'm gonna try and build some awareness around that this week. And I think we had I almost incredibly similar devotions uh, kind of thought processes. Mine came from the sense that that water is a is a cleaner, right? It has the ability to to purify and make things clean and universal solvent. That's right. Let and the rain fall down. That's right. My dreams. Hillary Duff. What a what a poet. Um, and so I think for me, that question itself can be cleansing. The question of why am I doing this? The question of what is the impact potentially going to be if I'm performing in this way, allowing that question, that awareness piece to, to be able to, to clean up messes or to keep messes from happening in the first place is one that I need to, to think on. And so sounds a lot like a nook to me. I love it. It's a big yay. Yay. <laughs> I want everyone out there to know that I suggested presence in coal and was uh, out overruled. Not this week. I I said no such thing about overruling it. <laughs> you said no sunshine no, needs listen, to make it up. It has to be sunshine. Go thing. back and listen to the end of the last episode. Oh and sunshine said he would think of a good one. And I, I asked him, are you sure you're going to remember? We've and had, he's like, okay, sure, I'll do it. And then I he forgot. And so here we are. We have a I, lot of mileage to get out of yays and whoopsies. <laughs> and I think that we're having fun with it. Okay? I just have to say, this or nooks and crannies talk that is never ceasing from you <laughs> does not feel very validating of presence and Cole. Okay? I love presence. Cameron. <laughs>
What yes. does water mean to you? Uh, so, again, I, I, I thought about water being a versatile substance. It can be ice. It can be steam. It, you know, it, and I wanted to think about, you know, specifically for me, realizing that my first draft may not be the best draft. Sometimes I need to be steam for a certain situation, or sometimes I need to be ice for a certain situation, but that doesn't mean I'm not water. Like, it can still be authentic Mm. to think about the best response to a scenario and do that rather than take your first draft, your Cora draft, and run with it. Yeah, you gotta gotta leverage and be water in all of the water cycle yeah right and then if you realize oh my steam isn't helpful in this situation i need to adapt ice can't water plants you're still gonna be water eventually it will <laughs> eventually <laughs> like... good like, talk good talk good talk yeah like put a little ice cube in my in my succulents because i just leave it there and and kill them. Is, is that how you water them, though? I don't have any more succulents, so I, I can't. <laughs> is that because you tried to water them with ice? <laughs> We're learning. Yeah. Speaking of learning. <laughs> Whoopsie. Let's get, to, let's get to my gratitude. Sounds a lot like cold to me. Uh, my, who am I grateful for? I'm grateful, I'm grateful for Milo and I think his ability to want to learn a new skill, for his ability to take care of um, the, the animals that are in his, uh, circle of influence, um, he is putting in the work to make sure that he is able to support them and learn that skill and willingness to take feedback through that process. And I just, I love learning new things and I love that being a focus. And I think that this is a moment we get to say that was, that's a fun moment for Milo and I like it. So I'm grateful for him, um, through this episode. Because of it. learning new things. So I'm always Maybe my devotion will be learning how to take I care of succulents. Milo. Yeah, Milo. All right, Cameron. Who are you grateful for? I'm grateful for so many characters in this show. But specifically this episode, I am really grateful for Cora. Uh, she, for one of the first times in her character arc, leads... Uh, leads in a way that is not her first instinct. Uh, what we've seen from Cora is a, 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 a instant response for, you know, violence or physical, physical resolutions to problems. And this episode, she leads a peaceful protest march. Mm. And uh, so I'm grateful for Cora. And uh, that's not something 2016 Cameron ever thought I would say, but here we are. Here we are. It's been a life-changing few years. New perspective. Here we are. Man. Okay. So for me, I am grateful for Mako. And, you know, not because I think he's uh, the best example of decision-making, but I do think that I really appreciate his um, competing obligations and the choices and the the hard spot that he was put in in this yeah. in this episode, and I'm really grateful for for watching that, feeling annoyed and judgmental of Mako because what that led me to do is be introspective. Because when we are judgmental of others, that is uh, an area in which we are um, vulnerable um, to judgment and from our own self. And so I realized that I was like, oh man, this is something that. I've had to do and 
you can't win in this situation. And it's, it's hard because I just, I, I have a lot of gratitude for this moment giving me a chance to reflect. And so thank you, Mako, for having competing ethical obligations and making it a really tough choice that I don't know that I would have given with, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I'm grateful. Well, y'all, that's the end of our episode today. Thank y'all so much for, for being here, Cameron. Always a pleasure to have you yeah. in the studio. Uh, Always happy to be here. Thank you guys so much. And we'll, we'll, we'll figure out what your next element needs to be, and we'll, we'll plan accordingly. <laughs> no, a Twitter person. Someone who listens to the podcast. No, 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 again, call the phone lines. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you email this We're to standing us, by. at gmail.com. You can even send us a voicemail of you <laughs> reporting these out, and we will put it on the episode if it comes. Um, but yeah, yeehaw. <laughs> Fantastic. Y'all, I'm Sunshine Mayfield. This has been Bruit. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>